Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Fachi. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Razor catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in! Duarte for three. Boom, baby! Anthony attacks Hibbert! Denies him at the rim! Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert! Skies high for the jam! Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket! Jackson turns, fires, and has! Bringing that smoke! Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Fachi, we're back. Part two, mailbag podcast. Let's get right into it with our questions from Reddit. This comes from Novelty Status. The tradable trio playing better obviously raises their trade value. How soon after the 15th might we reasonably expect to see one or two of them moved? In my opinion, ideal scenario is we use the second half of the season to integrate the young players we get in return, thereby making this the ca- uh, capitulate season. I don't know how you say that. Uh, I'm reading it wrong. Uh, not next year. So with everything I just said there, for besides that one word, I don't know what, what I'm saying. Uh, answer that for me. I don't know if you meant catapult. Uh, That's what I thought too. Uh, Yeah, yeah, uh, not sure. But, uh, you know, first of all, I love the name, the tradable trio. You know, it sounds like (laughs) they're always looking for a nickname. And unfortunately, that's not the name they want, but it's it's so great. So thank you for that. Um, Now, in terms of how soon for the 15th, I do not expect this to be like the second players are available. The Patriots are pulling off a trade, especially having won three games. I think they're going to take their time and wait for the right deal. You know, I mean, we saw that with Oladipo. It was hanging over our heads a couple of years ago, like, you know, before last season. Basically, what are they going to do if he's disgruntled, this, this, and that? They waited for the right deal to materialize, and it happened, you know, in the, in the top, like, 10 to 15 games of the season. So I, I think they're going to be patient. It could take, like, a month or so. Um, but the ideal scenario, yeah, to use the second half of the season to basically get, like, some young players in there, get, like, Isaiah Jackson's playing time up, get Duarte playing, like, you know, 30 minutes a night and whoever young players we got in return, that would be awesome, especially if they are like heading towards a, a better draft pick. But, you know, that that's all just uh, hypotheticalness. We don't even know if the Pacers are going to actually make a move. We're just hoping they do. We don't even know what they get back in return. So that all remains to be seen. Yeah, novelty, novelty status is is correct. I just don't know how to pronounce this. I'm going to let this play on Google. Uh, hopefully you guys can hear this. So this is how the actual word is pronounced. And I'm sure my buddy David, who is listening to this right now, is laughing at me because I uh, am not the English major that he is. But this is Capitulate. the word. I'm going to play it again. Capitulate. Capitulate. That is the word. So uh, <laughs> capitulate is the actual word, Fachi, which means uh, 
which actually means cease to resist an opponent or an unwelcome demand, surrender. So basically he was saying making this the season to surrender, not next year, uh, by, by playing some of our younger guys that we get in return in the second half and not trying to make a big push um, for next season. So I don't know if that changes your answer at all, but um, I kind of agree with that too, in a certain extent, like use this season to get another high draft pick, let these guys kind of develop that chemistry and then come back next year, ready to rock and roll. Uh, Hopefully get an off season with Carlisle in here. Uh, Chris Duarte, like I've talked about getting that rookie off season, uh, you know, just to get himself better prepared for next year, even though he's looked great this season. And uh, Isaiah Jackson, give him another year. I think he'll have a much better NBA body as well uh, with an offseason to work out. So, um, but yeah, uh, capitulate was that word. I'm just kind of stuck on that. I can't get away from it. Hey, you love, you love, you learn something every day. First of all, I love how I was like, hmm, he must have meant catapult, but, um, you know, they obviously did not. But yeah, we are basketball fans, not English majors, uh, all that. So, hey, you know, it re- really shows, um, shows that. But great word. Uh, I just don't see the Pacers ever truly tanking. If there are actual injuries, then, yeah, maybe they might rest someone. But, um, you know, I think they're always going to try and win each game. Yeah, I don't think it would be tanking necessarily, but, you know, getting the players that you want, seeing if they fit. Like if, for example, they traded for like an Emmanuel quickly from New York, hey, let's let him play some point guard next to Brogdon and Duarte and put them in the starting lineup and see how they look. Like, okay, what do we have here? Is Brogdon a good fit with him? Is he better off the bench? Is, you know, Brogdon a long-term piece? Whatever. Like, it just gives you a chance to kind of see things, whether it's a small game sample size or not. But uh, I agree with that there. And uh, all right, I'm just going to move on because I'm sure uh, David's still laughing at me. Uh, We'll move on to the fonts from Reddit. If you could interview any Pacer past or present on the podcast, who would it be, Fachi? I'm going to say Reggie Miller past and for present, I'm just going to – I'm going to say DeMontis Sabonis. That's real tough. I think I have to go Reggie because it's Reggie. But, man, I'm telling you guys. Jermaine again. Oh, yeah. I'm obviously, I love Jermaine. Thank, thank God I got that experience because that was, like, literally, like, my life goal. And then somehow we did it in, like, our first, like, 30 episodes. I don't know how. But we, we did. But I have always wanted to get Danny Granger on the show. This is oh, yeah. finished business. I, guys, never say never. I really want to make that happen. We'll see what happens. Uh, current current pacer, ah, that's tough. I mean, Sabonis, uh, it would be cool, but I wonder how he'd really be on an episode. Like, would he let his hair down? Because those are the most fun interviews right over there. So, yeah, I, I guess I'd have to say Sabonis. If not, Chris Duarte would be really cool. Yeah, no, I, I think it's Duarte or Sabonis for me, um, just because quiet guys. I mean, we heard Duarte talk a little bit more. But, you know, just just be curious to see how they would be on a podcast. You know, Turner has been on so many podcasts. Um, I, I think that we've heard how he feels. So we wouldn't really be adding anything new to the table. But it'd be kind of fun to maybe see if we could squeeze some interesting information out of Sabonis uh, just to see what he'd have to say. But uh, let's move on to our next question. This comes from Kept Cold on Reddit. What ideal point guard do you think we should could trade for um, because we need one? I mean, it, I don't think it's going to happen. We've talked about De'Aaron Fox on here. I, I really want the Patriots to play with, like, a, a quick style like that. Like, I, I really do. I would love that. But point guards, there's are like true point guards in, in that sense, like a separate thing. They're just too hard to come by. Like, those, Alex, we've talked about it a couple of years ago. When Chris Paul became available, I mean, that would have been a franchise-changing move for the Pacers. And those guys, they just don't come around often at all. Um, other than that, I don't really know which point guards – are realistic or available. Mm, okay, so I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the Sam Quinn episode over the weekend or not yet, but he did throw out the idea of Colin Sexton plus Chetty Osmond for Karis LeVert. 
Um, you know, Colin Sexton obviously out for the year, so uh, wouldn't help you right now, but you'd have his bird rights. You'd be able to try to bring him back next year. Uh, you're, you're thinking long-term, or would you be intrigued by Colin Sexton? So I've actually thought about that myself. Um, Colin Sexton is a good player in this league. He he's, could be a little bit flawed. I know that they've talked about his defense at times and that the belief was basically that the Cavs are better without him, and they're showing that this year. So this man can score. He could always score. Um, but I wonder if, it was, if it's one of those, like, good player on not a good team, putting up those type of numbers, which I worry about. But also he viewed himself as being like, you know, wanting to get that, that max deal for a rookie extension. And I know mm. the Cavs were very reluctant to do that. So would the Pacers be willing to be paying him and Brogdon big term money, big time money to be in the backcourt together when you already have Duarte who's trying to get in there. I know you can move him around. So I, I like the idea of Colin Sexton. It's just the fact that like, it's almost like, if the Pacers were going to move Brogdon a bit, then I think it would make more sense. Yeah, I mean, point guard is such a hard position to find in this league that you really can, number one, get. And because you're no team is giving up a franchise point guard. So you're yeah. banking on, you know, banking on getting a guy that might be a journeyman or a guy that's maybe younger and buried on a roster that could become something. I don't really know too many guys out there. DeJounte Murray is a guy that we've heard dropped a couple of different times. I don't know if the Spurs would be willing to get rid of him, but I think he would be an ideal point guard to trade for. He'd be so good to trade for. Yeah, that that that'd probably be number one on my list would be DeJounte. But other than that, I mean, you're talking, we, we brought him up earlier, Emmanuel, quickly. Those kind of guys that are on rosters. Um, the ideal point guard that I would want, that I've been saying for the past couple of years is Fred Van Vliet, but he ain't going nowhere. Uh, he, nope. he He's staying right there in Toronto. So um, that, that dream is put to bed but uh you know <laughs> i think you just got to draft one really and that's kind of why i brought up someone like that from kentucky ty ty i i just feel like going after somebody that could maybe be your you know future point guard would be an ideal situation but let's move on our next question here comes from chethered smicken i love reading that every time we do this podcast and you send in questions who do you think should have the ball with the team down two uh with seven seconds left uh, I mean, Chris Duarte, honestly, uh, we, we've seen everybody take a shot at it. I, I don't think that's the bonus is the guy. I feel like we haven't seen Miles Turner put up like a, a game winning or game tying type of shot. Um, but I mean, Levert's done it a ton of times. Uh, so I, I, I lean Duarte because I feel like he's got that, like not afraid of the moment type of thing. Brogdon, I'm trying to think of who it was uh, a couple games ago and Brogdon just could not break down the defense and then he ended up passing to Justin Holiday who got blocked and I just remember uh whatever it was it was like two weeks ago so give me Duarte okay yeah I, I still think that right now oh this is tough um I think it's got to be Karis Levert right now um just because he's got the experience with it Duarte definitely needs more reps I think with yeah. it right but at the same time like you know if you're trying to if you're trying to really win games right now I think that Overall, you probably trust a little bit more of the playmaking of Karis Levert making the right pass. Um, we saw Brogdon try to get past Anthony Edwards, and that was just laughable. But that's what it was. That's what it was. And yeah. he just could not do it. Gave it up to Justin Holiday, who got blocked. Just too slow. He's not athletic enough. Exactly. I just, you know, he needs a screen to really get any type of separation. He's kind of got that Andre Miller thing going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, you know, pretty good player with much better shooter than Andre was, but um, you know, they're, they're kind of slow footed. They're not really a super athletic. Um, you might see flashes of it every once in a while, but they don't really showcase it. Where where Levert to me is just more of a poised guy. If Warren was healthy, I'd like to see him take the last shot um, just because he can get you a bucket. 
But I, I also think, too, we've already seen it enough with uh, Chris Duarte. He's not getting that foul call in, in a clutch situation. So maybe Karras gets better luck with getting a foul call just because he's been around the league a little bit longer and teams respect him. But um, I, I wouldn't be my, mad if they ran a play to get Duarte a final shot. But, you know, if you're talking one-on-one, who's your no. best one-on-one player? I think right now it's still Levert. Uh, absolutely, it's Levert. Last year, Levert hit big shots. He yeah. absolutely did. This year, I mean, he hasn't really been in the moment, I feel like, to, to really, like, you know, take many game winners or anything of the sort. But if you're talking about a, who's going to break down the defense and be able to get that play for you, I would lean Levert. If it's like an actual shot, give it a Duarte for three, you know, something like that. Yeah, and breaking news, Fachi, it appears that Steph Curry is going to play against the Pacers on Monday night. So big opportunity for the Pacers to prove that this winning streak is not a fluke. But anyway, let's move on. This from this one comes from Colin Air. Do you think the front office is short-sighted enough to see the recent success of the team and decide not to make significant changes? For example, if we got into play in range after Christmas, which might be asking a lot, but the NBA is crazy, do you see a scenario in which they hold off on any changes to the offseason? Guys, it's not the first, second, or third time we've seen the front office run it back. So nothing would surprise <laughs> the me. the first, second, or third time we've heard this question. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So, guys, no, it wouldn't surprise me. That's a sad thing because I do think they're like, oh, you know what? Uh, we're just we're just one little piece away. Or if this – this, oh, I've stopped making the excuses because we talked about it. We're, we're like – Pacers are like one and eight in games decided by four or less. Like they can't close out. They're injured. There's this, there's that. There's so many different factors to the point where it's like, just look in the mirror. We're not a contender. If we win, you know, three straight games, that doesn't change that. If we win five straight games, that doesn't change that. The goal is not to be a quote in play in range. Because a couple of years ago, you guys remember, it was eight teams that made the playoffs and that was it. I don't want to be saying we're in 11th, but we're so close to 10th. You know, that, that's not what we play the game for. So I, I hope they would still make a move regardless. Yeah, I, uh, I'll i stay with my answers from previous. I think they're not changing their stance on what's going to happen, uh, regardless of how of how the team plays, unless they go on a huge win streak. Uh, like we're talking 15, uh, like 12 out of 15 wins, something like that. But uh, you never know. Like you said, the NBA is crazy. So, uh, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. Oregon Hoosier, last question from Reddit here says, can you discuss why Lance isn't on the team instead of Wanamaker? Brad seems like a good guy in the locker room, but his play just hasn't been very good this season. I see no reason why Lance couldn't be given an opportunity here. He's already got chemistry in the pick and roll with Sabonis and Turner. It's not like Brad is young either. He's pretty much a finished uh, product. Lance at least brings passion and tenacity to the floor. Oregon Hoosier, thousand percent with you i said that on part one lance is a better basketball player than brad wanamaker i would rather have lance but i understand why he's not here but uh you know uh no larry bird i don't think you're getting lance yeah i mean i know bird always had that soft spot for him and it seemed like a couple years we obviously talked about the patients were so close to bringing lance back for a third time i mean that would have been great um i don't think anyone's going to debate it. lance would absolutely cook Brad Wanamaker in a game of one-on-one. I don't even think that'd be close. Make him dance. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, he, he'd make him dance. He'd make him do like slip and slide after he gets crossed up. So, um, you know, I, I just think at this point, maybe the Pacers just kind of want to, you know, I know Ronald Norett had that connection with, with uh, Wanamaker from, from Charlotte. Uh, he is more of a true, you know, type of prototypical point guard um, but he's obviously, it just hasn't worked out. He's just so blah, you know, compared to someone like Lance who can be a bit more flashier, but, you know, also could have a, 
a little bit of, you know, antics and stuff like that. Sounds like he's grown up. I, I just don't know if it'll ever happen again. Yeah, I would I would not hold your breath on it happening, especially after the whole thing fell through after the, the COVID-19 kept Lance, uh, the, the shutdown kept Lance from, from coming here. But next question, this is actually, this came via text message from my friend Jake Sluice. Uh, he's, uh, you know, just, just text me and told me, he's like, Hey, I really have been enjoying your podcast. So I really appreciate those kind words. And then he sent me a voice message. So I kind of just paraphrase it here. Fachi. Uh, he was curious because he travels a lot. Uh, he said, should the Pacers consider rebranding themselves to the Indianapolis Pacers? He, uh, he basically said, I travel Indiana some, and there's like little to no buzz about the Pacers outside of Indianapolis sports talk radio. Do you think the Pacers would ever consider rebranding themselves to this fudge? I don't. I don't. I, I think it's all about, I mean, I know that the Pacers footprint might not be, you know, as large as maybe it should be in the state of Indiana, but I mean, it, it's, it's Indiana, you know, it's, it's the overall, it's the state, not just the city. I think they should just keep it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get what the overall thought here was because like it'd give you a chance to rebrand, maybe do something different kind of cool and, be a little bit exciting. I, we saw WTHR accidentally called them the Indiana, uh, the Indiana Colts, I think, or something like that, or the, uh, the, yeah, the Indiana Colts is what they put on their thing. And so that might've like triggered part of it is what I was wondering uh, because it was like a funny typo there, but ultimately I, I, I think that the Pacers, uh, they're a team that doesn't really do anything that includes like significant change. Like they won't even build a Reggie statue, let alone maybe like a slick Leonard statue outside of the field house. Like, they just are kind of boring, and that's why they're probably just never going to, like, try to rebrand anything, uh, you know. But I, I really don't think I would like Indianapolis Pacers only because it would be too close to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I think that having them as different, you know, even though they're, like, pretty much the same thing, Indiana Pacers just has a better flow to it. It's it's a it's a history thing. It's a historical thing. Um, it's kind of like Utah being called the Jazz, like, you know, I'm so used to that, but it really should be New Orleans team name because that's what it was before. I just, yep. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of changing uh, something that's already kind of been set in stone, but uh, it, it does, it is depressing to see how little interest there is around the state for this team. Um, I, I wish there was more that this team and this franchise could do to make this entire state just kind of come together as one. Yeah, I mean, it would be great. I don't see a rebrand coming in. It's just like if they think a, a rebrand's gonna like, you know, put more put more butts in seats or anything like that, that's that's absolutely not gonna happen. Yeah, how about getting some stars on the on the on the roster? Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Sabonis. Uh anyway, Kuma31 said, What if the team traded their bench players instead of their starting core? What could they get from McConnell, Holiday, Warren, and Land? Could they find some athletic backups from contenders who would want these type of players? I don't think so. McConnell, you're talking about a guy who's probably going to miss the rest of the year. Justin Holiday, I do think would be appealing, but I do think he needs to be attached to something else. I mean, I think his, his salary is like, you know, it's decent enough, but I want to say for this year, I think it's like 6.6 or something right around there. Um, TJ Warren, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to trade Warren. I think they're going to ride that out. I mean, he's talked about wanting to be here. I think they want to at least give him the benefit of the doubt of being able to play and then talk about a contract. Uh, Lamb, I do think Lamb's going to be traded, but for what? You know, we, we got to find out really there. So could they find some athletic backups? I mean, you, if you're targeting athletic players, you might be able to find some, but who are they? How good are they? That That's the real question. So I, I do think basically when I look at it, McConnell's probably not being moved this year. Uh, Warren's probably not being moved this year. I do think Lamb gets moved. And Justin Holiday, if you're really looking to kind of 
blow it up or have like a bigger rebuild, I do think that he could be attached to like a lamb or something like that to bring in someone else. Yeah, the problem is with the bench, in my opinion. I mean, there's some holes to it for sure, but Lamb's really not been in the rotation unless there's been injuries. Like when Justin Holliday comes back, Lamb probably won't be in the rotation still. Uh, McConnell doesn't really fit Carlisle's thing, uh, system, so I would actually be okay with trading McConnell. I know there's probably a lot of people that would be upset about that because we've got some huge McConnell fans, and, uh, you know, he's better than Brad Wanamaker. I'll tell you that much, but uh, just, just not the type of fit that I like for Rick Carlisle's style of play, and uh, their contracts are – pretty much in sync for how long or lengthwise uh, together for four years. So it would make more sense to, uh, to just move on from that instead of trying to watch him try to, uh, you know, pigeonhole McConnell into a role that doesn't really suit him well. Uh, T.J. Warren is a starter when he's healthy. So he'll be back in that starting lineup. So he wouldn't really be someone I would trade and doesn't have any value right now with his injury problem. So uh, you're going to be selling super low on him if you move him. So uh, really holiday is probably the best out of these four in terms of value. I think you could probably get something back, maybe a younger player that's not really having a significant role on a team because they're trying to to get better. But, you know, we talked about Holiday's value a little bit on the podcast I did with Sam Quinn. And, you know, you might be able to get a first-round pick for, for Holiday if a team's desperate enough to get a player that can play defense and shoot the three. But at the same time, at worst, you're probably getting a couple seconds and maybe a young player. So that's, that's somebody that I would look at trading. But it doesn't mean I wouldn't trade uh, some of the starting core because I just feel like that core together is not a perfect fit for an 82-game season. So let's move on, Fachi. Uh, this one comes from that guy, uh, Simon. He said, if the Pacers are wanting to gear their future plans to building a core around Duarte, is there a young point guard wing player in the league that is an ideal fit and a realistic trade target, or does the draft present a better chance to find a running mate? Uh, I, I think the draft, I mean, it could be great, but depending where you're picking at, I mean – if the Pacers can get inside the top 10, I mean, guys, there, there's endless potential there. There really is. So we've talked about before what point guards could really be available at that. Like, I, I really don't know. Point guards, like we talked about, you're not really trying to part with a good point guard, really, for, for anyone. It's one of the most important positions you know, in the game. Um, in terms of wings, I mean, there, there, there'll be more. The Pacers desperately need a wing. We mentioned – I mentioned Cam Reddish before, but I also we talked about Alex and I are going to have to we're going to talk about maybe the top ten guys that the, the Pacers want to bring in through trade, or we want the Pacers to bring in through trade. So we'll have more on that uh, later this week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the draft is a better better opportunity here. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep saying it. Patrick Baldwin Jr. <laughs> that's the guy that would be perfect here. A nice a nice bigger wing next to him. Uh, would be really, really special. And I think if you keep DJ Warren, if he can stay healthy, those three together could be really fun. Isaiah Jackson is going to be really fun too once he gets his game developed a little bit more where he can be more reliable. But other than that, they really got to find a point guard. Um, you know, at this point, Brogdon's probably been their best point guard since you can go back to Jamal Tins Tinsley, but even before that, probably Mark Jackson. So, uh, you know, cheap contract. I know people want to call him a coach killer. I know people have said negative things about him, but uh, he didn't, he's not, he's not been that bad the last couple of games and uh, he's limited with what he can do. I get that, but I still like Brogdon. Let's move on. Fester 35 has three questions. So let's answer these relatively quickly. Uh, I'll start with the easier one first. Fachi he said, has O'Shea, Brissett and Keelan Martin made Tory Craig and Justin Holiday expendable? As O'Shea and Keelan made Tory, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Tory. He's Craig, made Craig expendable. I don't think exactly. about Justin Holiday. That, that, that Craig was the one that I'm looking at. Where we talked about it earlier, or in the last part, that Tory Craig's minutes have drastically dropped because they they, they feel it. You mean you mentioned 
They feel that O'Shea and Torrey Craig are very similar. O'Shea is on a cheaper deal. Younger, I think you want to you want to see more of O'Shea. Keelan, same thing. Those two guys are combined. O'Shea and Keelan are combining for like I think it's like three you know three point five million dollars at most. So Torrey Craig's making double that. I think he's right around that 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 six seven million dollar mark. Justin Holiday, I, I think they, look the Pacers love Justin Holiday. I know he's been out since. You know, due to COVID. So you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but in terms of being expendable, he fits a lot of teams, a lot. Yeah. So you're going to be able to get something for Justin Holiday. But right now for Toy Craig, I mean, I don't see his value being high at all. I don't see the Pacers looking uh, to move. Yeah, I mean, he could fit. For teams. what he is, I mean, his value has never been really high, but I think no. for a guy that's a bigger wing that can, you know, be on a, he's an athletic wing that can, you know, shoot the three every once in a while. I mean, He's more of a defensive wing, right? That's why we brought him in here. But O'Shea said has been getting some more runners. I mean, I think I think really all four of them are expendable. I don't think any of these guys are guys that are not willing to move for the right price. Um, we're in the middle of a rebuild here. So I, I would just say to kind of share my thoughts real quick, to, sorry to cut you off, but O'Shea probably is the guy I value the most out of the four here, and then Justin, and then probably Tory, and then Keelan. Yeah, I mean, look, when you're talking about O'Shea, Keelan, two guys that, you know, were at risk of not making the team, um, they're definitely uh, expendable to anyone. I mean, at this point, Justin Holiday is the guy that, that has done the most in his career, um, and I think he's he's shown that he could be a really good 3 and D guy for pretty much any team in the league. Doesn't need the ball a lot. He could fit anywhere. So I think that if the Pacers are looking to rebuild, retool, whatever it is, Justin Holiday is going to be someone that's going to be appealing to attach to, you know, anyone that you're going to move. Yeah. Uh, another question here from Fester said, it appeared Brogdon took a step back in terms of looking to score in order to facilitate more. Do you see this being a trend going forward? Brogdon came out with comments himself and basically said, like, you know, after he got his money, it was like, I'll do whatever it takes to win, whether that's you know. <laughs> after he got his money. I mean, yeah. I mean, once he got locked up, I think he was basically just like, all right, the, the team probably, I mean, I'm imagining they had conversations behind closed doors. It's like, look, we're paying you. We want you to be a leader over here. Like, you know, just, just basically just be that like assistant coach on the court. And he said he doesn't really care about scoring anymore. There'll probably be nights where he might only have 10 points or so. I'm sure he's capable of more, but I think he kind of knows that when Brogdon's putting up 20 plus shots per game, the team's not better. They're not. So no. I think it's better if he can, you know, dial it down a little bit on shot attempts and get others involved. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. I, I don't really think it has anything to do with, you know, when he got paid or not. That's not how I think it is. I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that he's doing what is best for the team. Um, and uh, I, I was talking to Jake Elrod a little bit on Twitter uh, via message about, you know, he was like, do you think that, you know, Turner wanting a big, bigger role will, will take away from people's touches? And I said, yeah, but I don't think it'll be Sabonis. I think it'll be probably a, co a collection of Lavert or Brogdon or maybe even Duarte that gets less touches. And if you look at uh, Friday's game against Dallas, it was Brogdon. Brogdon didn't hardly shoot the ball in rhythm at all until the fourth quarter. I mean, he had five shot attempts through three quarters. That's not like Brogdon. You know what I'm saying? Not. So it was, or maybe it was two of seven after three, but it's still like seven attempts through three quarters is not very many attempts to kind of get into a rhythm. So that's why I think, you know, if Turner wants to be more assertive and uh, maybe get a little bit more touches and get more looks like, I think Brogdon is going to try to find ways to get him the ball. Same as Sabonis. I mean, they're going to do what they can to get him the ball when, when it's right, but they're not going to force feed miles, you know, and I don't expect them to. I don't, I don't think that Brogdon, 
um, is going, I'm Brogdon doesn't usually hunt shots unless there's not a lot else going on and it's not working and he feels like he has to. But uh, I think that we could see more of a facilitator, uh, be, see him more as a facilitator moving forward. But um, we'll just have to play by ear because I think a lot of it is predicated based on the matchup. So uh, last one here from Fester35, he throws out a trade idea. Boom, this is the first fake trade we got today and the only one. So I'm, I'm impressed, Fach. Uh, he hey, said, I'm, I'm excited for a, a fake trade idea that we didn't yeah. have to come up with. So let's yeah. see what we got. Karis LeVert, TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb, uh, a 2022 first-round pick and a 2024 first-round pick top five protected for Brandon Ingram and Devontae Graham. We get younger while still being competitive, which Pritchard says he wants with Ingram being an upgrade over LeVert. Graham is a point guard who can take and make threes and fits better with Carlisle's system over McConnell. Fachi, do you like this deal? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I think this is a bit too much. Um, I, I, I like Brandon Ingram as a player, but we've yet to see Brandon Ingram really in like a winning setting, uh, being a, a good player. Uh, the, the two first-round picks in there tips the scale for me. Uh, like, yeah. look, if you're going to give up Levert and you can get, like, say it was like Levert and Warren, you know, whatever uh, for, for like Brandon Ingram or something like that. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you're avoiding paying Warren Levert. Look, it's probably not going to work out, but once you start to talk about attaching two first round picks, ah, it's too much for me. Yeah, Monte I, mean, Graham, I don't know. He's all right. He's good. But, yeah. I mean, essentially you're, you're trading away and ex- two expiring contracts, which really won't mean anything uh, probably to, to new Orleans and might want to keep Warren if he's healthy, but I don't even know if that makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, probably not. You know, and then basically Levert, you know, I would be trying my best to squeeze in like Goga and TJ McConnell instead of Warren if I'm the Pacers in this deal uh, to get that same salary with those picks going out. Um, You know, if the Pacers are really trying to kind of go through a semi-rebuild, you don't really want to be trading picks. Um, Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, mean, and, and really New Orleans already has a lot of picks and they're trying to build around Zion Williamson. Uh, who can't seem to get healthy, might not even be in New, New Orleans for much longer. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But everybody really likes the idea of Brandon Ingram. I think he's a really good player. I really do. And I think that he would provide a, a, an area of need this Pacers team needs. And he'd be that guy that you'd go to for a late game shot. Like that's kind of who the guy Brandon Ingram is. But at the same time, you know, Fachi brings up a great point. He doesn't really have a lot of success of winning. So you're looking at trying to take a swing on another guy that just – he hasn't had really any playoff experience, if I can recall. No, um, I think they were like uh, in like the, the play in hunt or whatever, you know, whatever, a couple of years ago. But like, um, but it, Ingram, number two overall pick, like he's a good player, but I don't know. He's he's an all star. He made one all star game, which which is great. But when you're talking about entering a type of rebuild and then you're talking about a trade that didn't include one of the bigs it still feels like then the Pacers would then try and, you know, maybe make a trade for one of the bigs and you start to just unravel something that's like, man, we gave up a lot. And, you know, now like it's like Brogdon and Brandon Ingram, you know, it's like, ugh. yeah, you know, so that that's, that's, it's too much, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is a deal that I think the Pacers probably would look at pretty hard, but um, you know, it's just, uh, it's tough to give up two picks. If you're only giving up one, this deal probably makes more sense for the Pacers, but would it be enough to give Brandon Ingram away to the Pacers for pretty much just Levert for one year and a pick? I don't think so. So uh, it's not a bad idea there, Fester. Uh, not a bad idea at all. I appreciate you looking at something a little bit different outside the box. Our last question 
comes from Rex Harris on Facebook. He said, do you think Levert is a good fit for this team? I would love to say yes, but honestly, my, my, my heart says no. Uh, I, I just think at this point, I mean, I was really high on Levert coming into the year, but now I start to look at it and I'm just like, is Duarte ever going to be able to truly blossom and be Duarte with Karis Levert being Karis Levert? And I don't think so. I don't. Yeah, no, and I and I think you're right. This is Duarte's time to shine. Uh, you know, Levert's not going to accept a role off the bench. I know that we've nope. talked about that before. Like, would he be better off the bench? We're not really sure. Uh, I don't think he's going to accept it here. I do like Karis Levert. And when he's healthy, I've seen some flashes of him where I'm like, okay. But I think we've seen just so many – so many things with injury problems with him where it just feels like every time he starts to get clear to show off some great stuff, he just always has a setback somehow, some way. And uh, I would prefer just to try to move off of him while you still have him locked up. Because according to Zach Lowe, when they were looking at extending Levert, the same time they extended Brogdon, uh, it came down to the wire with Levert and he basically just said that they just couldn't agree on something. So not sure what the holdup was there, whether the Pacers were a little bit nervous with the injury stuff or the Vert just didn't want to commit to Indiana. But I think that right there is a good indication of the Pacers saying, hey, um, we're just going to move on from him while we still have this asset and this uh, is a valuable asset as well. And I think, um, you know, they got Brogdon logged up, they, but they didn't lock up Turner either. So I'm a little bit curious to see what they do, but I think right now is the perfect time to deal both Turner and Lavert because of the length of their their current contracts pretty much just being the rest of this year and next year, which means that a team would be willing to look at them for the rest of this season and next season, uh, more so than trading for them when they're expiring. Yeah, uh, Levert's so hard to really put, you know, your finger on if he really, really wants to be here or not. I feel like he's more concerned about kind of wanting to be the guy more than he is about like, oh, my, we haven't, we haven't heard anything about him like loving it here or anything of this sort. This is just me talking. I'm not saying that he doesn't, but at the same point, I don't know. I, I just think if you polled a lot of people that are, that are covering the team, hey, does this guy really want to be here? I think it would be like, well, only if the Pacers are offering the most money out there. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Fachi. Um, you know, I, I think Levert's probably open to embracing a change from Indiana, uh, especially knowing that his name's out there in the trade rumor. So, Fachi, that is all of our questions for today. Hope you guys enjoyed part one and part two of the Mailbag Podcast. Uh, hopefully we're going to keep splitting these up just because they are very lengthy and it gives us a chance to kind of catch our breath and really think about everything we're talking about. But Fachi, as we sign off, where can the people find us at on social media? All right, so you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find uh -huh. Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. Oh, yeah. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. Uh-huh. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. Uh-huh. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. And you can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. <laughs> was I messing you up there, Fudge? I mean, you did it for the first four or five. I was waiting for the mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. After the Facebook, <laughs> you know? I was just like, I was like, I just got to keep messing with them. It's uh, It's been a fun episode. But all right, Fudge, uh, if you're excited to see the Pacers, Take on the Golden State Warriors. Hoping to extend this winning streak to four games. Say these three wins. Let's go Pacers!
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.